What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Ladies and gentlemen, the sound you hear is a buzzsaw ripping through a painting of George Washington chopping down cherry trees. It's time for Professor Buzzkill, busting myths and taking names. Listen, oh buzzkillers, and you shall hear the true story of the ride of Paul Revere. All American children grow up hearing Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's famous poem that tells us this great story. On April 18, 1775, Paul Revere, Boston silversmith and American patriot, jumped on his horse and rode through every Middlesex village and farm to warn the people that the British army had landed in Boston and were about to march inland. The British are coming, the British are coming, he yelled, and all good patriots were expected to get ready to fight them. Alas, buzzkillers, like so many stories we know so well from the American Revolutionary Period, Paul Revere's ride is more a product of mid-19th century patriotism than late 18th century patriotism. True, Paul Revere did warn fellow Massachusetts patriots that the British were coming, but the whole story, including why Longfellow wrote the poem, is far more complicated and interesting than that. Paul Revere was indeed a Boston patriot. He, Joseph Warren, William Dawes, and many other like-minded people set up a signaling system to warn fellow rebels of threatening British army movements. They were worried about two things if the British army actually moved inland from Boston. The first was that the British would try to disarm the rebel colonists, especially at Concord, where there was a large store of rebel weapons. The second was that the rebel leaders themselves, who were at Lexington, another inland town, wouldn't get news of the British army movements until it was too late, and they would be captured. So, in mid-April 1775, Revere set up the one-if-by-land, two-if-by-sea signaling system with Robert Newman, the sexton of the North Church, now the Old North Church in Boston. And sure enough, when the British were coming by sea, two lanterns went up, and the early warning system that Revere, Warren, and Dawes, among many other riders whose names have been lost to history, uh, had set up, that system went into action. The first myth, the basic myth, the essential myth, is that Revere rode on his own, when in reality, Dawes was also a leading rider, and most scholars agree that there were as many as 40 riders assigned to carry the warning throughout northern and eastern Massachusetts. The system was quite impressive, buzzkillers, and Dawes and 
Joseph Warren, in addition to the dozens of anonymous writers whose names have been lost to history, deserve a great deal more popular credit than they get, if they get any credit at all, in the huge shadow of Paul Revere. It was a relay system that used the same basic idea of the alarm and mustard warning network used during the French and Indian War. The second myth is that Revere shouted, the British are coming, the British are coming, as he rode. In the first place, most people in Massachusetts still consider themselves British and wouldn't understand what Revere was yelling about. The British didn't equate, to, in their minds, to the British Army. So what he actually said, according to accounts at the time, was, the regulars are coming out, or more accurately, probably shouted out, the regulars are coming out, the regulars are coming out. And by this he meant the regular army, the regular British army, not the state militia. Everyone in Massachusetts would have understood that because they knew that there was a difference between the regular British army, which was made up of British soldiers, and the Massachusetts state militia, which was made up of local people, many of them had turned patriot, right? turned rebel. And there was tension between the regular British army and the Massachusetts militia. Now, during the night, a British army patrol had put up a roadblock at Lincoln, Massachusetts, which is on the way to Concord. Revere and Dawes and some of the other riders were stopped. And Dawes and a few of those other riders got away, but Revere and some of the, the remaining riders were caught and interrogated. Now, rather than try to talk his way out of it, Revere rather brazenly <laughs> told the patrol that the countryside was being warned of regular army movements and that their you know, hope for element of surprise had been ruined by this early warning system. So Revere and the few other riders that had been captured were then marched towards Lexington. When they got close, the town bell started ringing excitedly, frantically. One of the other captive riders told the British soldiers, the town's alarmed and you're all dead men. Essentially, the patrol decided to let Revere and the other rebels go, and they rode off, that is the British soldiers, to warn their nearby commanders. Revere then walked the rest of the way to Lexington and delivered all the intelligence he'd gathered on the way. So, mission accomplished more or less. He got the word out, and he was able to deliver important intelligence to rebel leaders in Lexington when he got there. Revere later served in various capacities in the colonial army throughout the rest of the Revolutionary War. During his lifetime, however, Revere's ride was not the most celebrated thing about him. In addition to running his famous silversmithing company, which was apparently highly innovative in developing mass production silverware and was spread out all over New England, he'd participated in the Boston Tea Party in 1773, and he was active in Massachusetts politics for his entire adult life. Because he was one of many riders on the night of the 18th of April, the famous Midnight Ride wasn't even mentioned in his obituary when he died in 1818. Why is his ride so famous now? Well, fast forward to 1860 Buzzkillers and fast forward into the study of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, already one of the most famous literary figures in the United States by that time. 1860 was a rough time, rough year for the United States. The presidential election of that year was taken up with bitter conflicts over slavery, over secession. Many southern states were agitating vigorously to secede. Longfellow, a strong abolitionist like many other artists and writers, feared that the United States was going to be torn apart. The nation needed to be warned, he thought, and what better way to do that than to write a poem about an early warning to the young nation, Paul Revere's Ride. 
Well, Longfellow actually went on and researched quite a bit about Revere and the Rides, so he knew the story, the actual story, the real story, the story of the multiple riders quite well. But he was a poet and a dramatist, and he also knew that the image of a single rider would seem more heroic and certainly be more dramatic in the poem. And he tinkered with other aspects of the historic ride quite a bit. But remember, his purpose was to warn readers that the United States in 1860 was in a desperate, quote, hour of darkness and peril and need, and that what they needed to do was, quote, waken and listen to hear to the midnight ride of Paul Revere. He wasn't trying to write an actual history of the event. The poem appeared in the Atlantic magazine in mid-December 1860. Paul Revere's ride was an almost overnight sensation. But the state of South Carolina voted to secede from the Union on the 20th of December, and Longfellow's version of Paul Revere's ride failed to rouse the country to prevent it. Like so many other aspects of American cultural history, the Paul Revere story has been partly invented, changed, and enhanced by later generations. And the motivations behind why Longfellow wrote Paul Revere's ride, when he did are almost as interesting as the original events that inspired them. Talk to you next week, Buzzkillers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.